Amen. It is good to have our music minister here. But what good would a good man be without a better woman behind him? Right? Amen? Amen. And so we are so, so thankful uh, for Billy and Kim and their family being here in answered prayer. A amen. Praise God for that. And church, I hope and pray that you had a great 4th of July weekend. I'm pretty sure evidently fireworks were by four, get 4,000 free this year. Um, but that's okay. I, I love the fireworks and, and love everything. Andy, you like fireworks? Andy, do you like fireworks? She said no. Last night it was no way. All right, but I love fireworks, and so I hope you guys enjoyed your Fourth of July. Listen real quickly. We may have a lot of things going on in our country right now, but we still serve a great God. Amen? We still serve a great God of freedom. We still serve a God of opportunities, and this is still a great country. And don't let anyone tell you differently. Amen? And, and all the things that's going on in this country, let me just say this, and there's a lot of things going on that I don't agree with, but all this country needs is Jesus. That's what they need, and we have got to be those lights, as Austin talked about, being the lights of the world and showing people uh, what they are missing out on because you don't solve hate with hate, amen? You don't solve those things with that. You solve problems with love and being able to talk and discuss in a way that brings about resolutions, and that's what we want to do for people here at Cecilia Baptist. We want to be able to share the gospel in a way that they can tell that Jesus loves them no matter who they are, no matter what background, what race, what ethnicity. We want to be able to share gospel in, in the way that it is going to change and transform lives. Amen? That's what we want to be about. That's who we want to be about. And so I pray that this is exactly who we are. Now listen, uh, Austin and I did a video the other day, and we did it right here on the stage, and I didn't watch that video until about a day later. And so I'm sitting there watching this video, and, and Austin, we're talking about all the things that we're getting ready to do in the church, right? Wednesday night's coming back, talking about doing the youth, talking about doing the kids. Hope you guys watched that video. Well, I watched it, and the one thing that I noticed is it made me look like I had less hair than I had. Austin, I don't know if you did that on purpose, okay? Um, and so I told myself, I said, okay, Lord. I said, I'm going to get burnt on purpose on Saturday because bald guys look better with darker skin on top. And so that's exactly... That's exactly what I did, and so I got a little bit more color, and so praise God for that. So I walked into church, and I said, Brother Donnie, you got burned. I said, I did it on purpose, <laughs> uh, and so amen for that. Church, I pray you have your Bible with you this morning. Hopefully, there's one in front of you. hope you got your, uh, your bulletin because your outline is in there as we start working through uh, God's Word this morning. You can see the title of the sermon. Not going to pull any punches this morning. I mean, it is what it is, spiritual deceiver or what? Or truth bearer? This is a personal question that we're going to have to ask ourselves this morning. Are we spiritual deceivers or are we truth bearers? You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been examining and studying the new church that had formed in the book of Acts and how it had blossomed and now it had boomed and how the Holy Spirit was moving and they were growing by the thousands. People were being discipled. 
Lives were being changed. Miracles were happening. happening. Teaching and preaching were coming forth with boldness. And ears weren't being tickled, but ears were listening attentively. This new church of 5,000, they had placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and they had placed their faith in each other, and they were trying to figure out what it meant to live in a Christian lifestyle. What did it mean for them to be a Christian? But soon the religionists came. Soon the priests and the Sadducees, they were disturbed because someone had been healed. Because the way, the Christian, the Christian way, the, the church was exploding. And so what did they do? Well, well, we'll just shut Peter and John up. We'll throw them in what? We'll throw them in jail. We'll throw them in prison. That'll stop all of this that's going on. Well, guess what? That didn't work. Amen? That didn't work. So Satan came up with a new plan. Instead of using an outside influence to tear the church apart, guess what he would do? He would use an inside influence to try to stop the spread of Jesus. Which brings us to this question, what is spiritual deception? I want you to think about that. What is spiritual deception? Now the typical definition of deception according to the Western mindset is that of misleading or maybe a false appearance. Now, who likes to be deceived? Raise your hand. None of us like to be what? None of us like to be deceived. None of us like to be lied to. Nobody likes to live in falsification. We don't like to live in falsehood. When we have conversations, we want people to tell us the what? We want the truth. When I think of spiritual deception within the church, and I know this hits home because a lot of us remember this if you're 40 years old and over. When I think of spiritual deception within the church, I think of several high-profile scandals that took place in the 80s and the 90s that surrounded some very popular TV evangelists. You don't have to say names. We can just shake heads. And these evangelists, they were involved in adultery scandals. They were involved in some money scandals that shook the Christian world, and more than likely it put a horrible, sour taste in the mouths of unbelievers after what they had admittedly preached against for years became part of their own what? Their own lives. But spiritual deception started long before the 1980s and 1990s, amen? started way before then. This new church here in the book of Acts was off to such a great start and a great beginning, but it had its own duo of spiritual deceivers in which Satan tried to use to derail the church. And their names was Ananias and Sapphira. Now the wife's name, Sapphira, was Aramaic for beautiful. And the husband's name, Ananias, in Hebrew means God is gracious. But there was nothing beautiful gracious in this situation that occurred in the new church as deceit made its way through these two individuals. So this morning, I'm going to share with you some consequences and some issues that can surround spiritual deception. So let's read Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Look at what the Word of God says. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With the wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money 
for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've, you've not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then the young men came forward. They wrapped up his body and they carried him out and they buried him. Boy, the story doesn't end there, though, does it? It don't end there. Look at verse 7. About three hours later, his wife came in. That sounds like days of our lives. As the world turns, right? Three hours later, here comes the wife, not knowing what had happened. Oh, but, but believe me. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, they carried her out, and they buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Church, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this weekend of freedom that we've got to celebrate in this great country that we live. Father, we pray to see you move, and Lord, uh, we know there's a lot of things going on in this country right now, but Lord, none of them are bigger than you. And so, Father, we pray to see you move in a great way. This country, God, it needs revival. Lord, it needs Jesus now more than ever, God. And so, Father, we know it starts with the church. God, it starts with us. Are we who we say we are? Are we living the lives that we are supposed to be living? Or are we just lying to ourselves about who we think we are? And so, God, this morning, I know we've already had a great time of worship, Lord. We've praised you. We've given our offering, our tithes, our gifts, and God, thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray right now decisions are being formed and decisions are being made and that, God, you're already working on the hearts of those that are here, dear Lord. Father, we want to see you move in a great, great way. We want to see individual lives transformed. We want to see families transformed. We want to see people come and at this altar and say, I'm, we're here to follow Jesus. We're here to be a part of the church body. We're here to be connected and to know and to grow and to go. And God, that's what we pray for, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today as we go through this sermon, God, it won't be my way, but Lord, it'll be your way. And then, Father, if there's something that we need to come and lay at the altar, God, then, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to do it. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have you guys ever felt like you're being watched? Have you ever had that weird feeling that, you know, you walk into a store or you walk into the fitness club or you walk into Walmart or the dollar store and you've got this, this eerie feeling that somebody's what? 
that somebody's watching you. It's, it's a weird feeling, right? It makes you feel kind of weird. It makes you feel like, man, quit watching me, dude. You know, there, there's a weird aspect to that, that when we feel like we're being watched. Well, Satan had been watching this body of believers, and he noticed that some of these believers were going as far as to sell their property to take care of the needy. And so you know this was disturbing for Satan. Satan had watched as these new believers had trusted each other and loved each other and brought these gifts to the apostles' feet and the money was being distributed to all those who had needs. And so here's Satan and he's sitting back and he's watching this happen. God's moving. Jesus is moving. The gospel's being spread. Lives are being changed. Homes are being changed. Individuals are being changed. The gospel is just coming into people's hearts and you can see the love that they have for each other. And Satan's watching this all the whole time that this is going on. And in chapter 4, there's no doubt Satan, along with these new believers, this, this husband and wife duo of Ananias and Sapphira, they had watched Joseph, also called Barnabas, who sold a piece of land and he brought it to the apostles' feet. And he said, listen, you do with it as their needs arise. And I believe at that moment Satan realized there, there was an angle that he could use in this new church. And it was one that he had already used in the Garden of Eden against Adam and Eve, and that angle is deception. That angle is deception. Oh, did God really say you couldn't do this? Did God really say that you can't do this? Did God really say that you can't be involved in this? Did God really impress upon your heart this is evil or this is sinful? Isn't that what he loves to do? He loves to confuse people. Amen? He loves to get your mind off what is real and what is good for you, and he loves to put your mind on things that's going to absolutely crush you if you're not very, very careful. And it would be easy for many people to look at this text and maybe think, well, it's all about the money. But Satan can deceive the church in many, many different manners. And it just so happened he deceived this couple by influencing them to portray something that they weren't, which leads to our very first point this morning. Are you ready, Neil? Number one, deceit can have devilish what? Beginnings. Church, don't ever forget that. Deceit can have devilish beginnings. In verse 2, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back some of the price for themselves. And I know there's got to be a lot of people thinking, well, Brother Donnie, what's wrong with that? I mean, they sold a, a piece of property to help the church, and that should be respected. Absolutely. Amen? Praise God for that. But it's not about the gift. It was about the what? It was about the deception. Can you envision the altar call at the end of the service, and the old hymn begins, I surrender what? I surrender all. And here comes this husband and this wife with their promise of giving everything they had received from this property only to deceive the church on their, on their promise. Now I want you to understand this wasn't a miscalculation in their finances. This was a preconceived deception. This couple was going to act as if they had given all to the church and they want to try to make it appear that way. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not sure what kind of fortune they kept back. 
But I am sure of this, they both had a lying tongue. They both had a lying tongue. You know, how many times have we seen this type of deception in the church? Think about it. TV evangelists setting up hoax of a fake healing to be caught lying and scheming. If you don't believe me, read God greeting the prosperity gospel by Kostahin. Read that. Giving to certain Christian charities only to find out that a very small percentage actually went to the actual need. And honestly, I believe this type of deception is one of the biggest issues that we as Christians face today in the church. How many times have we told the Lord that we're giving all we can give and we know that's not the what? We know it's not the truth. How many times have you told God this? Watch this. How many times have you ever told God this? Lord, if I get this bonus, or if I get this tax return, oh Lord, I'm going to give back a nice gift to the church, and then cash in hand changes our what? Our minds. Peter says to Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? You know, there's an old saying, a bird in the hand is better than two in a, two in a bush. When Satan saw their motives, he quickly snatched their focus away from giving the entire amount to keeping back part of the sale. So not only could they look as though they were giving the entire sale, but they could also keep back part of the proceeds. It would be the best of both what? The best of both worlds. And this is exactly what Satan does to us as Christians. He tells us it's okay to look like church, but it's okay to live like the world. Amen? That's what he does. Come to church on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, live like the world. That's what Satan does. That's what he's great at. Jesus said he was a liar, a murderer. He's a deceiver. And so that's what he wants to happen to the church. Look like church. Act like church a little bit on, su on Sunday, but then go out and live like the what? And live like the world. And then we wonder why people side of the church are so confused well they see us living like them amen they're like we gotta see something different from you we gotta see love from you we gotta see forgiveness from you we gotta see restoration from you we gotta see some things coming from the church if you ever want us to be a part of the church but then yet we go out and we act like the world we go out and we consume the world we go out and we act just like the world and like everybody else is doing. And then they become even more misunderstanding about who it is that we say we're supposed to, supposed to be. See, Satan will do the exact opposite of what Christ wants you to do. Think about it. Satan will use lies to cause us to store up. Satan will use lies to call us to hoard up. Satan will use lies to call us to board up and to cover up our lack of giving to the church, no matter if it's our time or if it's our giving financially. That's what Satan wants to do. John 8, 44, the Bible says Satan is the father of lies and murder. And if you don't think he's having his way in this country right now, you've not been watching what I've been watching. You've not been seeing it. 
So why did they keep back when they promised to give the whole amount? Isn't that the question that everybody wants to know? Were they looking for a special recognition? Maybe they saw others doing it and decided to jump on board, or maybe they genuinely wanted to follow what others were doing. Maybe they thought that God wouldn't what? I mean, maybe they thought that God wouldn't know. I mean, isn't that how we are a lot of times? Right? Well, maybe God ain't going to see it. I mean, because if people at the church don't see me living this way, then God ain't going to see me what? <laughs> then God's not going to see me living this way. You know, I've had people come up to me and they say something, do something. Oh, preacher, I'm sorry. I didn't see you standing there. It's like, why are you, why are you apologizing to me? Don't apologize to me. Apologize to who? Apologize to God. You don't answer to me. We, we answer to God. Peter told Ananias that the lamb was yours before the sale and after. He was merely saying if you needed to keep back part of the money to live on for financial reasons, then brothers, it was yours just to begin with. You know, the, the biggest issue in this whole story, it's, it's not about the giving. It's not about the land or the gift. It was about the lie. It's about the lie. It, 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 was, it was about telling the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this, or yes, God, I'm going to do that. Then things change. This couple had lied to God, not men. And this is the biggest issue in this whole story, which leads to point number two. Deceit is always known by who? By God. Deceit is always known by God. In verse 4. B and C, Peter says to Ananias, what made you do such a thing? You've not lied to men, but brother, you lied to who? You lied to God, Ananias. Their deception may have fooled men, but it's not going to fool who? It's not going to fool God. The Bible doesn't say how Peter knew of their lie. But what is fact is, they tried to make it look like they were more spiritual than what they really were. But I want you to think about this. Is their sin much different than many of our own? Is their sin really much different than our own? How many times do we say we're people of prayer, but then we have a few people show up for prayer meeting on Wednesday night? How, how many times do we call ourselves readers of God's Word, but we, but we can never make it to Sunday school or, or Bible school or small group studies or we barely read our Bible during the week? How many times do we let Satan convince us to be generous givers, but then when we walk, we squeak? Amen? Many times we like to give people the impression in our church that we've got it all together, yet we're scared to death to come down and pray at the altar because we're scared to death of what somebody else is going to what? To think. Well, I'd have never got saved if that had been the part, amen? Because when Jesus knocked on my door, I didn't care who saw it. I was coming. I was praying. I wanted to give my life to, to God. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. But I'd rather make mistakes knowing I have a Savior that loves me and forgives me than making mistakes and then me not being able to feel like I can live with myself. This is what Jesus can do. Deceit is always known by God. And deceit isn't just known by God, but number three, deceit can have godly what? consequences deceit can have godly consequences and we see this in verses five to six and i want you to notice that peter doesn't say anything about death 
He merely points out his sin. And the judgment is of God, and it's of God alone. Now, some may say, well, why didn't God just give him another what? Why didn't God just give him another chance? Well, honestly, I don't know why. I have no idea. But I do know this. Lying to God is a very serious issue. It's a very serious issue, and it's the first recorded sin in the Christian community that led to the very first recorded death in the new church, that of a spiritual deceiver. I put this quote in your all's outline. D.L. Moody once said, Lying covers a multitude of sins. What? Temporarily. It covers a multitude of sins, slash, temporarily. And this is exactly what happened to this couple. Their sin finally caught up to them, and because of the husband's lead in the deception, point four comes to this. You ready? Deceit can be what? Contagious. Deceit can be contagious. Ananias had the opportunity to lead his wife down a road of righteousness. Amen? All of us husbands have that opportunity to help lead our spouses down a road of righteousness. He had an opportunity to lead his family in the life that Christ was asking him to do. He wanted him to be honest. He wanted him to be upright. And instead, he led his wife to sin, and sin leads to what? To death. Ananias had become a stumbling block for his wife, and he taught his wife to be deceitful just like him. And isn't that what happens, church? We live in a culture that is riddled with untruth. We live in a culture that is riddled with deceitfulness. We live in a culture in which exaggeration becomes a daily part of our conversations. Has anyone, let me think, think about this, has anyone ever asked you for a piece of gum and you said, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm all out, but you had a wad of it left in your pocket? Grace and White. Or maybe you were talking freely to a friend about the bass that you caught yesterday and the two-pounder, and some way that two-pounder become a ten-pounder by the end of the day. We get used to talking in exaggeration. And deception is addictive, and habits of deceit are easily formed even in the body of Christ. One theologian once said, church, hear this. You ready? One theologian once said, if God acted in the same way today that he did in the fifth chapter of Acts, you'd have, to, you'd have to have a morgue in the basement of every church and a mortician on the pastoral staff. Thank God for Jesus. Husbands, our wives need to know that we're speakers of truth. Wives, your husbands need to know that you're speakers of truth. Most of all, God knows if we're speakers of truth, especially when it comes to spiritual deception. And I can only imagine what was going through the minds of the young men that came forward and buried Ananias, only to come back three hours later to find the wife dead as well. You imagine what was going on in their minds? But it does lead to the final point. You ready? Number five. Deceitful actions met with godly discipline can lead to a what? Spiritual assessment. Can you imagine what the church must have been thinking? 
They weren't thinking about death. They were thinking about new life. Amen? They were thinking about the gospel exploding. They were thinking about lives being changed. They were seeing God adding to their number daily. And then all of a sudden, there's two individuals within the church that have fallen over what? Dead. And many people in the church, they, they probably knew this couple very well. But I wonder how many of them at that point in time went, got, went down on bended knee and started praying to the Lord over their own character. Amen? Can you imagine what would happen today if a healthy pastor was up here teaching about falsehood in the church and then all of a sudden he fell over dead? Would it cause you to think? Would it cause you to think? And it wouldn't be corona because I just got tested Friday. I'm good to go. It would cause us to think. In Ephesians 4.25, the Bible says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Satan knew he couldn't have their souls. But he tried earnestly to destroy everything the disciples were building through the Holy Spirit. All Ananias and Sapphira had to do was speak the what? The truth. Just speak the truth. All they had to say is, Lord, here is our gift. Please do with it as you see fit. Instead, they held back and acted as if they had spoke that they had given what? That they had given it all. Now, some may disagree with me, but I firmly believe this couple was saved. I believe they were in Christ. But the problem is they allowed Satan to use them as an instrument of dishonesty, disobedience, and deceit. And that's what Satan will do. He wants to destroy every single thing that's happening in Cecilia Baptist. And he will use people in the church to do it if we are not right with Jesus. Now, you know, he can't have your soul. Satan can't have your soul. He already knows that you're saved. But if he can make your life a living, he'll do it. And if you don't think he won't bring that from the home to the church home, you are very, very mistaken. Every church just about that I have ever seen come apart at the seams, every single church body that I have almost ever seen and witnessed that split was because Satan came in and Satan had his way. Because they couldn't agree on the color of the carpet. Because they couldn't agree if they should build a building. And then they get mad and split and go down and build a building somewhere else. That's exactly what Satan wants us to happen here at this church. That's what he wants to happen at every church in Hardin County, every church in LaRue County, Hart County, Nelson County, you name it, Jefferson County. He wants to split them down the seam. And church, listen to me, listen to me well. If you don't think he's not using this virus to do this, you are badly mistaken. You are horribly mistaken. Because people are at that point right now that they don't know what to believe, they don't know what to do, and so they'd rather listen to man than listen to God. Maybe this morning we should end the sermon by just doing a self-assessment. What do y'all think? Maybe that's what we need. 
Maybe that's what we should do. I don't want you looking at your neighbor. I don't want you poking your husband on the side, your wife on the side. I want you to look at you. I want you to, I want you to pray right now in, in your heart. Are we truthful people? Are we really who that we say that we are? Are we prayer warriors? Are we Bible readers? Are we gracious givers, armor-wearing, cross-bearing, mission-minded sons of daughters of the heavenly king? Is this who we are? Or do we like people to just think that we're really more spiritual than we really are? You know, this is why people a lot of times don't want to come to church. They don't want to be convicted. They don't want their toes stepped on. They don't want to feel, they just want somebody to tickle their ears and they feel better about their life that they're living. No, 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 no. God wants a self-spiritual assessment of your life and where you are because we answer to God and to God alone. Now you can put it off because some of you right now are living lives that you know is not where you need to be. Oh, but it's fun. It's carefree. I go, Brother Donnie, I do what I want. Then I come to church and I praise God and I raise my hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But what are other people seeing in your life? Because if we're not careful, we're leading people to hell. If we're not careful, we are absolutely turning people's minds into things they have no idea what our Christians supposed to be. We don't know anymore because they look and they act and they do everything that we what? That we do. Let me give you this. You ready? If your husband or wife or someone that knew you just as well was called upon to do a self-assessment of you spiritually, what would they say this morning? What would they say? My wife knows me. My wife knows what I have problems with. My wife knows my tendencies. But my wife will call me out quickly. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that because I know I'm not perfect. But I tell you this much. I want to try to be like him as much as possible. And if we listen to this world, this world's going to tell us to be just the opposite. Don't love people. Don't forgive people. Don't be a neighbor to people. Be disrespectful. Take what don't belong to you. Tear up things that don't belong to you. If you're a Christian, that's not what God's telling you to do. That's not who God's telling us to be. So maybe this morning we should just come and, and, and pray and ask God to remove the habits of deceptions that have come into our life so we can be bearers of truth and not get lost in the habit of deception. Are we spiritual deceivers? Or are we truth bearers? What are we? Who do we want to be? Because listen, there's a whole world watching, amen? There's a whole world watching to see who we are. And all of the people around us, all I ever hear was, what's wrong with this world? What's wrong with this world? What, what is wrong with this world? They need to see Jesus in you. They got to see it in you. Because if they don't see it in you, who are they going to see it in? 
That's the preacher's job. That's the deacon's job. That's Sunday school teacher's job. That's the door greeter's job. That's Brother Austin's job. That's all. No, 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 brother and sister. When you came and knelt and said, I believe, I will follow, you gave your life to Jesus and said, Lord, I am yours and you do with me as you please. That's what you said. Is that who you are? Is that who you are? And so this morning, as Brother Billy comes, and we have our invitation, this is your moment that you can come and that you can pray. I don't know what's going on in your life. Only you know what's going on in your life. But I do know this. We still serve a God that changes. Amen? We still serve a God that heals. We still serve a God that saves. We still serve a God of second chances. And so whatever is going on in your mind, whatever is going on in your heart, your family, your neighbors, this world, prayer is powerful. Amen? So as we stand this morning, will you come?